Good morning, ladies, and welcome to this year Tafshin Pei Aleph. This is the year, by the way, that the word is going around the Torah world, at least the Yeshiva world, that um, the Chassam Cipher said that Tafshin Pei Aleph is going to be the year of Mashiach. Um, again, there's been many calculations in the past, we don't know, but here it, it means there's for sure a potential of Mashiach. And let's hope that by our tshuva on Yom Kippur, we can help connect ourselves with that possibility. I hope all of you had a wonderful Rosh Hashanah. What I'd like to speak about today is we're going to talk about the idea of making New Year's resolutions. We're going to talk about the idea of, um, of the Sarah made tshuva and their importance. And we're going to talk about the, some of the vidui of Yom Kippur. First of all, I happened to hear last night on the Bitochen hotline that some people were calling up saying they didn't think they had so much kavana this year. I'm sure many of us, look, we're not in full, even if somebody went to shul, it's not like a regular shul. For sure, the numbers are decreased. It's like a pathetic amount of people, people that didn't go to shul even more so. You didn't get the feeling of, uh, you know, maybe people were more distracted than usual. Um, there are all kinds of things that people are thinking about, worried about, and um, apparently the Masora in the Vardic is that if a person feels bad that they didn't daven with Kavana or they feel bad that they that they did something maybe wrong on, on Rosh Hashanah, that is already as if they did the right thing. So a person should feel like as long as if they already had a feeling, a taste of what they should be doing on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and they feel like it's lacking and it, it bothers them to that degree then they should, then, you know, if, if it bothers them so much, then that's, then that's already a good sign that they deserve, you know, to have a good year. You know, of course, we're supposed to strive for the highest, to be perfect on Rosh Hashanah if we can, but at least if we're trying our best, that's the main thing. There's another thing to think about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Sometimes people have different things they never had to deal with. He said he heard a story about somebody that, um, well, there's a famous story about Rav Yisrael Salanter on Yom Kippur night that there was a baby crying in his neighborhood. He heard the baby crying. I guess in those days people left their children. I don't know how that works, but okay. And he was on his way to shul, and he was late for shul, uh, Kol Nidre, because, you know, he felt he had to take care of the baby. So, it's you know, we have to remember what's important and what's secondary, especially as women, things can happen. She was saying a story about a, a certain young man who, um, who said he had the best year ever this year. And he said the reason he thinks it was, it was because last year, Rosh Hashanah, he was um, suddenly taken, he had to take care of a, a friend of his, got very sick and was rushed to the hospital. And he's thinking to himself, how can I leave my friend alone on Rosh Hashanah? I have to go with him. He has nobody. It's a boy from out of town. He was a yeshiva bacher who was from a different city, and nobody was there to be with him in the hospital. He needed a, a appendectomy, and um, he stayed with him. And he said, you know, of course, the davening in the hospital, how good can it be compared to davening in a great shul? But he said he had the biggest hatzlach of that year because he felt he, the whole Rosh Hashanah, he was doing the right thing. And that's, that's what Hashem wants of us. Whatever's put in front of us, we should do our best. Right? That's what we really need. Now, we are now in the Aserah Shuva, And Nelson Vachogel itself tells us that often during the Aserah Shuva, people think it's like this big break 
<laughs> or some kind of break. We have these two holy days where we're all day in shul and, and it's so serious and so important. And then in the middle, you know, it loosens up a little bit because you have to go back to work or you have to go back to doing your weekday activities. People are doing the regular things. So um, sometimes people let up a little bit. But remember, first of all, halachically, we are still saying in the Shemona Esrei, HaMelech HaKadosh. If you forget to say HaMelech HaKadosh, instead of saying Akel HaKadosh, in the bracha, the third bracha of Shemona Esrei, you're supposed to say he's the holy king instead of he's the, the holy god. Um, because we're supposed to feel this kingship over us. And if a person does not say HaMelech HaKadosh, he's not Yotzei Shemona Esrei, it's to repeat Shemona Esrei. So there is definitely something that has to be focused on, on the Aser Smeit Shuva that's not focused on um, during the rest of the year. These are the days that the fame, I brought this down before this little part, but it's, I can't fail but to do it because I really feel every year it has tremendous meaning for myself. So you're going to have to listen along with me because I believe it has very great significance. Gemara Rosh Hashanah, we're told, Amr of Krispadai, Amr of Yochanan. Shleish's farm, Niftachim Rosh Hashanah. There are three books that are opened on Rosh Hashanah. Echad Shel Rishayim Gemurim, one book of the wicked. Echad Shel Tzadikim Gemurim, one book for the totally righteous. The Echad Shel Benonim. And then there's a third book opened on Rosh Hashanah, and that book is the book of the people in the middle. On Rosh Hashanah, we don't wish anybody anymore a ksiva v'chasima taiva. We can say chasima taiva, but we can't say ksiva taiva. It shouldn't be written in the Book of Life because we assume other Jews are tzaddikim, and we don't wish them to be written in the Book of Life. They're, they're already written. Rishayim gemurim, if you're a total wicked person, God forbid, person's already signed for death, benonim, but an average person, the people in the middle, they're hanging and standing. That's the literal translation. From Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur, if they, if they merit to do tshuva during these 10 days, they're written and then later inscribed in Yom Kippur to life. If they weren't zaycha to do tshuva, they're inscribed for death. Okay, that's the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. Now, and the Rambam says... What does it mean, Zachu? He says they did Shuva, which I just incorporated the Rambam myself, but that's really what he meant. Now, you have to rep- we have, people have to repent during these days if they're an average person. And if they're not an average person, um, they're already sealed. But an average person is the 10 days of repentance were given for that person to finally be inscribed, especially if he feels maybe Rosh Hashanah wasn't enough, that, uh, you know, he, he could feel like he's, He's, he could be inscribed for, for, for Chaim if he puts his mind to it during these days. Now, Ravitzik Blazer, Zachran Lavracha, asked a question of Itzla Petterberger, famous student of Rabbi Sroh Salanter, asked a question. He says, does it, first of all, if a Benoni, an average person, has equal mitzvahs and a virus, that's the definition of an average person. You're, you're not a tzaddik. You're not inclined to the righteousness, and you're not inclined to evil. You're inclined to, to whatever. Um, you're somewhere in the middle. If you're somewhere in the middle, he says, 
Shouldn't you just do more commandments, do more mitzvahs? Why should you do tshuva? Why is tshuva so necessary for Yom Kippur? Why is it, why is it enough to do more mitzvahs? In fact, it says in Gemara Kedushin, Tana Rabbanan, our rabbis teach us, We are all supposed to regard ourselves. This is another thing that today maybe people don't do this enough. We're supposed to regard ourselves as average. Sometimes we may think, I am such a sinner, I'm such a bad person. You're never supposed to think of yourself like that because you give up hope. Person's supposed to think you're half and half. Asa mitzvah achas ashrav. If you do one mitzvah, fantastic. Because you put yourself on the, the scales towards life. Now, but this Gemara that we just mentioned in Rosh Hashanah seems to contradict it. It says a person should do tshuva. That's what the Rambam says. How do we understand both? And secondly, second question is, how is a benoni? How does, how does a person know if they're a benoni? And a benoni, how could you define a benoni? Because if you say a person's average, um, how many people, really, mathematically, if you'd have somebody that's, uh, you know, that, that's an expert in mathematics, what is the probability, probability of a person being exactly smack dab in the middle between good and bad? Like, let's say you did 600 mitzvahs, 600 affairs, exactly this year. So the chances of being a benoni are almost nil, if you think of that, you know? So how could you say a person's a benoni? So Rev, the Sifse Chaim, Rav Chaim Friedlander, answers, and he says like this. He says, there, the, uh, the, the idea is like this. It says later, we can't imagine that a Benoni is a person with numbers. First of all, it would be impossible for us as human beings to know numbers. That's why, you know, okay, maybe you did like davening, you get extra credit points because your davening was good, but to be exactly on the middle, almost impossible. But no, we're told in another place in Bracha Samachay, Rav Ben Gamliel, Rav Ben Gamliel says, Sadikim Yetzer Tov Shoftam. How does a person, how can a person be judged as a tzaddik? It depends on what motivates him. A tzaddik is a person that's basically ruled by their good inclination. I mean, it's basically their, their motivation on a day-to-day basis is what does God want from me now? There's a focus there. You know, it's, it's, it's not to get distracted. What the, the main problem of this world is the distractions. You know, we had a grace tzaddik living amongst us a mere few years ago by the name of Rav Aaron Leif Steinman, three, four years ago, he was Nifter. And he was a person, he and his wife always used to talk about upstairs. Upstairs, you know, that they, they, you know, we have to get ready for upstairs, we have to go somewhere. Tells a story one time when Rav Steinman made his famous trip to New York with the Gera Rebbe. They both came to give chizik to the North American continent. Rav Steinman's wife was thinking it's, 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 it was, I think, in the fall, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember exactly. But whenever it was, it was cooler temperatures. And Rav Steinman's wife said, you know what? I, at the last minute, she says, I have to pack in proper clothing for the winter. She packed a sweater or a coat or whatever. You know, all the necessary things you need for the winter, for cooler weather. Any case, when she was packing, she started to cry. And uh, they say, why are you crying? And she says, 
I'm packing, you know, I, I'm worried about the packing of my husband's winter clothes and not worried what's going to be with me in the world to come. I'm not packing up what I need for the next world. That was Reverend Steinman. And then he was all alarmed and he says, I vey, we have to think about the trip. What's going to be with the trip? You know? Robinson spends every spare moment visiting the sick. That's what she used to do. One time the Robinson, another thing was she, um, she was hooked up to an IV machine in her later years. And um, one time, you know, she was saying, it's very hard being hooked, hooked up to an IV. And I asked her, why is it so hard for you? She says, I'm not getting this chus of saying benching. Benching is the risa. I'm not getting this chus of saying birkas she used to call this world the silly world, the Narish of Eltala. You know, the, and her husband had another thing. Uh, here's another thing that's really amazing. He, um, a few things are really amazing, actually. But um, one time he needed, that Rev Steinman's that's all needed anesthetic. Okay, he, had to, he needed some kind of dental surgery. And he told the dentist, don't give me anesthetic. Now, this is not for the average person, not you or me, <laughs> but it just shows the greatness of the tzaddik and Yetzir Tov Shoftan on a level that he was. And um, the dentist said, I ne I've never done this procedure without anesthesia. Uh, are you sure? Because if you jump, it's going to ruin the whole thing. You have to not move at all. So Simon says, no, I want it. And I said, why, why are you going without anesthetic? He says, I feel every bit of punishment, of hurt, of suffering I get in this world takes away from my Averis. <laughs> this is how he welcomed Yasurim. He welcomed any type of affliction to see that that's going to clear him of sin. <laughs> what a level that we could aspire to with Rav Steinman. Um, somebody once, there was a whole faction of people against him, even though he was one of the Tzadikah Hador. Uh, there were people, you know, believing in a different, uh, he had opinions that differed with some of the other Gedolim. And there were people that were, you know, that spray painted his whole courtyard. Uh, when he walked outside, you know, with all kinds of insults toward him. And some of his students were so upset, they, they overnight, they cleaned up the whole graffiti. They said, Wait, it's, not, it's an insult to our Rebbe. You shouldn't be insulted like this and paint. The next morning, Steinman goes out of his home and he sees that there's no graffiti. And he says, what happened to all the graffiti? And they told him, Rebbe, in your honor, we, we erased it. And he said, I need it. It's, it. It reminds me that uh, I'm a nothing and that I have to serve Hashem. Fortune is a person that doesn't forget you. We get distracted. Think about Hashem most of your days, most of your life, most of your hours. That's a tzaddik. It's, 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 it's not just the time. I shouldn't just do time. It's a quality inside. That basically that you're ruled by what am I here in this world for? The world is... Is temporary, you know. The, you know that um, the, uh, you know, to, to feel like that, that you're you're just a, a small person, and this is the world, the, the um, uh, a world we're passing through, and your main purpose in life is to to be appreciative to your Creator who gave you everything, and even wants to bestow upon you an olam haba, you know that that's what he felt, and that's what he spent his life doing. Rishayim Yitzharashovtan. A rasha is ruled by the Yitzhahara because um, it, there's different psukim to prove this. And it says in this Gemara, in Brachas, Benonim, Zeb, Zeb, Shoftan. The idea of a Benoni 
is somebody, an average person, is a person that is ruled by different feelings, sometimes simultaneously. Like you could be giving tzedakah, let's say, and at the same time hoping somebody behind you is watching. You know, so there's mixed feelings. You're not doing it purely for the sake of heaven. A person eats on Shabbos. That's a very good example. There's a mitzvah to eat three meals on Shabbos, but for re- what reason are we eating those meals, right? Like that, that's a tzaddik. Um, you know, um, and in a benoni is ruled by both. Now, sometimes you have moments of fitkas. You can have a moment where it's pure. And the Rambam says, in fact, when you have a pure moment with no Yetzirah, if a person should be zaychad, it's such a thing. That one moment where there is nothing except Hashem in your life, that's the moment that you get Olam Haba based on. But the Chavit Time says, Rav Sroll Mayer, when am I going to get Olam Haba eventually? He said this about himself when he was an older man. That there's always something to fight. There's always another inclination. There's personal bias. There's all kinds of things that get in our way from us doing the right thing. That we, we, we end up not doing the right thing because we're all motivated by other forces that are inside of us. But guess what? We find Amar Rava, Kigain Anu Benonim. Rava said about himself, I'm a Benoni. The, um, so so his, his friend, Abayas, told him, if you're one of the Benonim, there's not a bigger Sadiq than you. And, uh, okay, anyways. The, as they say about Rav Dessler, he said, Halvai, we should be Benonim. I know the Balatanya is, very, is supposed to be very famous that he talks about Halvai, people should be Benonim. You know, that where their motivation is pulled and pushed in two ways. But we, in any case, have to regard ourselves as Benonim. That's our obligation, that we should always see ourselves as half and half, even though who knows what our real motivations are, and only Hashem really knows. Now, the Vilna Gon says something very interesting on this, Gemara. He says, a tzaddik, who's always ruled by his yetzer hatov, he has some tranquility in this world because he has, he's, he's in control of himself. He's in control of himself. He knows, okay, there's surim, there's all kinds of horrible things, but I'm here to serve Hashem, and nothing is going to, I'm not going to let anything get in my way. So he's doing what he wants. He's taking control of his life. A Russia, for the most part, also has a little because a Russia... Even though there's other Gemaras that say that a Russia is taken by Zetzahara and he never has peace. He's, one minute it's covered, one minute it's Gaiva, one minute it's Taiva. All his bad character traits are ruling over him to the extent that he just does whatever he wants with his life. He doesn't, he doesn't feel he has a, a, a reckoning to give. And he feels he could do whatever he wants and his life is free and clear, which is what we live, the world, the filthy world we live in today, where things are already considered holy and permissible which are disgusting and moral sins, let's say. Um, anyways, the world we live in, we're free and do whatever you feel like, which is, <laughs> it, it, it should grate on our nerves. It's not a Jewish concept, but the idea of, you know, so in one respect, uh, Russia could sometimes suffer because he's, he's depending on this world being of service to him, and it doesn't always come and do things your way in this world. But on the other hand, Russia's also, first of all, God gives him off in this world, because the next world, there won't be any currency for him. So he feels in some regard, he's doing what he wants, feels free. I don't have any burdens. I don't have any boundaries. But it says the person that suffers the most, as the Bill Nagon, is the, is the person that's a Benoni. And it says, in fact, there's a promise for him. The, um, uh, it says, I'm trying to find where it says, 
שנאמר, יעמוד לימין אביון להושיע משופטי נפשו. This is very interesting. This is from that Gemara itself. It says, Hashem is going to stand to the right of the Benoni to save him from all kinds of punishments. The Benoni suffers more than anyone else. Now, really, a tzaddik is constantly hammering himself. Did I do this right? Did I do that right? Did I? He's, 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 his worst, uh, he's, he's going against himself to try to do the purify his actions. But a Benoni is back and forth. He has this con- conflict constantly of doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing. And it's all within all of his actions, within all of his thoughts. And one minute he's one way, another minute another he's another way. This is really destroying his, his tranquility. So Hashem says, I'll come if the, if the, if the Evion, if the poor person, the Benoni, the middle, the person that's torn by both Yetzers, is it just comes out to me and attempts to do tshuva, Hashem says, I'm going to help him because he needs my help. He's got it more than, than anyone else. Now, we're preparing for the holy day of Yom Kippur. And it says that a benoni is tluyim v'omdim. Ravitzel Petterberger says, what does it mean, hanging and standing? If you remember this great graphic explanation, he says that a person's supposed to imagine themselves like they're standing on a scaffold waiting to be hung with the noose around their neck. The noose around their neck. And they're standing still and they're hanging at the same time. In one minute, the hangman could kick out the scaffold from under them and they'd be in the noose. This is how we're supposed to picture ourselves if we don't do tshuva. That's the imperative. Moreover, there's an imperative on even though there is a machlokas in the, in the Mishnah about this, it says, On this day of Yom Kippur, Hashem will atone for you from all your sins. Before Hashem, you should purify yourself. It's a mitzvah say to do tshuva on Yom Kippur. And the day itself will be an atonement. According to the, the, um, uh, according to the Mishnah, um, Rabbeinu HaKadosh says the day itself atones. Uh, you know, even just living through Yom Kippur, but you have a chiv to do tshuva. That's another thing. And some people say, no, without tshuva, you don't, you don't get forgiven. But in any case, there's a mitzvah that say that you're passing up on Yom Kippur if you fail to do tshuva. And what these 10 days, are, the fact that we're saying HaMelech HaKadosh, we're still in judgment. These days, we, if we had a Rosh Hashanah or any semblance of Rosh Hashanah to make Hashem our king, now we have to incorporate what are we going to do about this? How are we going to clean up our act? We know we want the relationship with Hashem, which is Rosh Hashanah. You are now, I'm, I'm remaking you the center focus of my life. That's Rosh Hashanah. Now, what have I done to get in the middle of it? A lot of Rabbanim today have told people, a lot of people, you know, are down. More than past generations were a weaker generation. A lot of people, more people have anxiety and they have depression and all kinds of things. So a lot of Rabbanim sometimes tell people, don't learn Musr, don't, don't, don't think about your sins too much. Uh, a little bit, you know, but don't get heavy into it. But everyone agrees, Yom Kippur is the time. Now is the time that we're supposed to focus on what we have to improve upon so we don't come to fail again, you know. Now, a few things to know about Yom Kippur, and that is, number one, if a person does tshuva and then, God forbid, succumbs after Yom Kippur, let's say it's a sin you're very accustomed to. People, you know, let's say Lashon Hara or whatever, Halil or whatever it is that a person – 
um, had had a problem with in the past, and, and it's not going to just go away, most likely. I mean, you're going to take strides. We're going to talk about a few minutes making resolutions, but the um, person's going to try to conquer that field. That chuba stays. Even if one minute after Yom Kippur, the person succumbs, if he truly regretted, he had remorse, he decides never to do it again. And he says, Bidui, and he confesses for his sins. And of course, God forbid, if it's the sin between man and man, a person's asked forgiveness of the other, then the, then the, the person is considered like a new being. It's all wiped away. Um, and a person, you know, then it's a new slate. But a person has to do chuba. That's the thing. And the, the bigger a tzaddik, the more he's cognizant of what he has to work on. The, it says when uh, Mashiach will come, it says the Eight Sahara will be destroyed. And um, everyone's going to be crying. The tzaddikim are going to cry and say, how could we have conquered such a mountain? And the Rishayim are going to cry and they're going to say, how could we have not conquered this hairbreadth of something? What does that mean? So different, many interpretations that I've heard, but I'll give you the one I, I want to present right now, and that's Rabbi Yehuda Leif Chassman, He said he was the Rebbe of Shalom Shwadron, um, in he, uh, I believe in Hebron. He was Mashkiach. Anyways, so he said, he said like this, um, that he said, what does it mean they're both going to cry? They're going to cry over the fact they can't believe what they did or didn't do. A tzaddik says, I look back, it was a climb. How could I have not conquered this mountain? He says, they, he says what they're expressing is what they felt during their previous times, before Mashiach. A tzaddik always sees there's a tremendous responsibility in front of him. There's a mountain to climb. There's a lot to do. You can never excuse yourself. You can never say, I've done tshuva on everything. Because if there's always a higher tshuva. The tshuva could be, am I close enough to Hashem? Forget all the mitzvahs and averis. And then there's day-to-day -day things that we take for granted. How we talk to our family members. That's something on a day-to-day -day basis. There's always something somewhere people can improve on. You know? Uh, a rush, on the other hand, a wicked person sees, yeah, like, I don't want to, it's nothing, it's not important. He doesn't put it as front row center in his line, in his mind. And therefore, he sees afterwards, I could have just, it, 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 my fault was that I made it so minimal, that I minimalized it, that I said it was nothing. When I have to realize that there's a lot I have to think about. Now, the, uh, there's, um, so this is the idea of the Benoni. The Benoni has He's got, he's ruled by both and he has to do something. He has to make himself where Hashem is more focused, central in his, in his life. Okay. So this is, this is what the Bainan is missing. And we have this imperative doing tshuva. This year we have a backdrop that should be better than hundred Rabbanim and a hundred speeches. And that is what we've gone through this year, the pandemic that we don't even know if there's an end to it. We don't know when the end is coming and different people have suffered. My son was telling me in Lakewood, he was in a certain shul where there's, there are a lot of people. And he said, by Unasana Tokef, in the men's section, there was so much crying, you could not hear the chazan. He said he never remembers such a time that there was so much crying during Unasana Tokef that, uh, you know, the people really were feeling 
the 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 the, the, the intensity of the high holidays that they felt that they they had to do chuba. You know, this alone should remind us that you know we could never have envisioned such a thing happening. Hashem is a lot more uh, arrows in his quiver than we can imagine there being, and um, anything we can imagine cannot come with what we ex- what you know with what happened. And there's more things that could happen, God forbid, and we have to do chuba. And we shouldn't look at it like Hashem is angry and he wants to punish us, but rather he gave us an opportunity to repent. People are more focused on what's important and um, and what's not important. And it reminds us that this world is a small world and it's temporary. We have to make haste and try to do what, we, what we're here in the world to do and not waste our time with other things that are taking us away from our major mission in life and not to get distracted. Now, of course, people need a break. People have to know themselves, but we have to work on ourselves and try to zero in maybe a few minutes a day, look at what we should be improving on next year. Think of the things that we could we could do with ourselves. I mentioned this last week, but I, I, I feel maybe I said so many things last week that I, I failed to, to put a hyper focus on this. I saw a beautiful report from Victor Miller's itself, where he says, you know, this famous Pusik in Nitzavim, or it says, Kikarov Ma'od. It's very close for you to do chuba. Beficha with your mouth, with your heart, lasoso, to do it. Now, chuva is not supposed to be easy. What do you mean it's so easy with your heart and your mouth to do it? Just to say, I'm doing chuva? No, that for sure is not enough. But Victor Miller says there's a big clue here. The way to do chuva for a lot of bad mitos, and mitos really are, is the source of all sin. That's the machinery that produces all the sin. He says is by speaking in a way against the way you feel. <laughs> like let's say you're intimidated by a crowd of people coming to your house, let's say, and you're afraid what things are going to look like. So you tell yourself, you tell yourself, that this, you know, getting honor is nothing. Getting honor is nothing. You talk to yourself about what you're, what you need to hear. And eventually by speaking hypocrisy, by speaking things that you know you don't feel yet, but you want to feel that way, it'll internalize and become a part of you. You could do that with many things, you know, like anything, like like if, if you feel tempted to speak Lashon Hara, or if, or if you spoke Lashon Hara, talk to yourself, tell yourself how bad it is. Talk to yourself if you feel, you know, whatever the, te- any test you feel you're going to be undergoing, let's say a difficult person is, uh, is is you're dealing with, you know. So you tell yourself first about, you know, how you have to give covet to, to all, all yidded, and whatever, all the things you have to tell yourself. We all know what we need to hear. You know, and there's many psukim for everything, and there's many ways to correct everything. But that's what we should be focused on is how can I improve myself? How can, what can I do with myself to make myself a better person? Now, the, um, is there, I just want to see if there's anything else I skipped here that I want to get to. No, so now we're ready to move on. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to do some, um, analysis a little bit of the al-chets, of the vidui, the confession that we make on Yom Kippur, okay? So if all of you have a master, which I pray and hope you do, then we will go into this. First of all, when we're about to say the vidui, we say, Elokeinu velokea voseinu, our God and the God of our forefathers. 
It says that Bilaam, when he was trying to curse the Jews, he couldn't say the word Elokav. He couldn't say their God. Because, you know, he couldn't say the way, he knew he was sinning. He knew he was sinning. How could he call it the God of Israel? He never mentions that in his curse to the Jewish people, says Rav Galinsky. So, um, you know, we have to think, we're about to say our God. And at the same, in the same phrase, we're going to mention something we did against him. Here he's sitting by our side, you know, like somebody feeding you with a spoon. And you're cursing them out as, as they're feeding you constantly, giving us a breath of life. And, um, you know, we have to think about it. And then you take, you're hitting your heart because you're telling yourself your heart made me do this. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we're, we're doing that. And then we say, the God of our forefathers. We should compare ourselves to our forefathers. It said one way that Yosef was able to save himself when he was about to be, when he was, Aishas Potiphar is running around after him, is he kept saying, he kept saying, what if I'm the next Yitzchak? What if I'm the Akedas Yosef? My father is putting so much hope in me. How can I sin? How can I sin when the, when the world is, uh, when, when I'm the child of Yaakov Avinu who put so much trust in me? When we're the guy, we're the children of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov that we're willing to go through fire for Hashem, the Kifshana Eish, let's say, willing to do Akedas Yitzchak, willing to do anything for Hashem. And, 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 you know, and, and, and Yaakov Avinu and his, all those great things that he did, the chesed, the emes, the Torah, the, all the things for avos. And, and we are going to, uh, it helps us. I have potential. How could I have sinned before Hashem? So, Pratzka Levenstein says, you know, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be like the Avos. That's another thing when you say, Elokei Avosenu, that uh, we're supposed to not just, there are forefathers and, and you know, look how we're, we're ruining it, our, our, our beautiful chain of this beautiful um, Mesorah that we have of such purity of heart. Rav Chatzel says you're supposed to be like your Avos. It says that when Yaakov Avinu prepared himself for war with Asaph, he said, Elokei Avi, Avosai, Avram, Alokei Abraham, Alokei Yitzchak, Alokei, yeah, Alokei Abraham, Alokei Yitzchak. Sorry, I couldn't read this for, for a minute. He said, Hashem, the God of my father and of my grandfather, should help me. And he was going against Esav. Esav had the same forebears, but he kept the ways of his forefathers, and Esav didn't. So it's, are we keeping, when we say Alokei Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, are we really going according to their ways? Tavolu Fanecha Tefila Seinu. Please let our prayers come before before you. I want to do tshuva, but I can't without you. My sin, and please don't blind yourself from our, don't make yourself disappear from our entreaties. Saying that that we make ourselves blind. We make we make Hashem invisible in front of ourselves. You know, we, with uh, please don't let my sins blind me. That I have to. You know, once you do something so many times, you start thinking it's permissible. They say that one time Aaron Leif Steinman was, um, he was an older man. He was in danger. He, he was in the hospital and he starts saying vidu. He starts saying confession. So people came running to Rav Chaim Kanievsky Schlitz and they told him, Rav Aaron Leif has said vidu. That means like he must be seriously ill. So Rav Chaim Kanievsky answers, don't worry. He's been saying vidu since he's 13. Like that's how much he's been confessing for his sins. She'ein anu azeifanim. Oh, so first we're going to say this whole thing in plural. What are we saying in plural for? We're not saying that 
that all the Jewish people are a bunch of sinners, but everybody can come closer to Hashem. And the reason why we're saying in plural is, why should we be so self-centered also? We should think all Jews should have a gemar, all Jews should be forgiven of all their sins because they didn't mean it. All Jews mean well. You know, and the way you can be saved, when we think of the whole Jewish people, God will love us if we put ourselves as part of the tzibor, part of the group. If we take ourselves out of the group and we say, we stand on our own two feet and I'm so great, I don't need Klai Yisrael, then you're in danger. But if we say part of the whole community, one thing we can, one thing we can say about ourselves, you know, is we're, we can't be so um, stubborn. To say what really literally means brazen of a of, uh, face and, and stiff-necked. We can't be so stiff-necked and brazen to say that we're tzaddikim and we never sinned. Because a person says he's always right, he's probably always wrong. <laughs> a person should really be introspective and know what am I, what's motivating me, what's making me do things wrong. Um, it's very interesting, the... Um, The uh, okay, no, I'll I'll save this for a little bit later. Anyways, the uh, even if you're rebuked, it says, what does it mean? You're brazen of face, but you're stiff-necked. Even if you're rebuked, we're not so stubborn to say that even if you're rebuked, you're not going to listen. Person should listen to rebuke, even if it hurts. Maybe there's some speck of truth in it, and maybe we can grow from it somehow. But we and our forefathers have sinned. That's that's. Sometimes there's something in a family, like a bad trait, people relax in a certain thing, and it could come from childhood, you know, and we're trying to, if, if in any way, uh, of course our parents are, should be held greater in, in our eyes than we are. They're a previous generation closer to Mount and Torah. The, um, the uh, you know, that... Um, at the same time, sometimes it's a Yerusha from the fathers that we, we succumb to certain things. We have certain traits from childhood, let's put it that way. Or just even if we're able to do chupa for anybody in the family, that we're all, you know, that everybody should have a ksiva So now, the first thing is a shamnu. The first section of, there's two sections of the vidui, of the confession. The first part is what the effect of sin is. And the second part, the al-chait, for the sin of this and for the sin of that, shows that it's our character traits that's the source of all sin. So the first one is ashamnu. We are guilty. But ashamnu, Rav Simchazizel says, is from the uh, root shmama, which means barrenness, that you make the word, that person has a purpose. You know, <laughs> we're here for a purpose and we've made everything empty. When we do a sin, there's usually, you know, that we're supposed to, um, you've done nothing. The Vilna Gon says the whole purpose in life is shvira samidos, is to break your nature. The imlav lama lo And if a person doesn't break their nature, why should he be alive? person has to, has to give an accounting. Why didn't you break your nature? Why did you just go along, you know, same old, same old? That's not your purpose in life, is to just do what's been done in the past. You have to go beyond it. Person has to uh, to think before they do actions, and then they can avoid sin. Otherwise, they're having an empty life. Thought is really the key behind everything. 
Bagadlu, we, we rebelled against you. Beged, though, is clothing. It's external. It's a person inside really doesn't want to rebel against Hashem. But we, we, we put on this cloak. It's, it's really anytime we do something wrong, we're really rebelling. And there were some great people that, um, you know, that were about to rebel and then did shuva at the last minute. This Yossi Meshisa, if you ever know that story, the one that was, um, he was in, the Romans forced him to go into the base of Migdash to bring out the menorah. And then afterwards, he let them kill him because he refused to, he refused to, he refused to take it out. Because he realized at that last moment that he was rebelling against Hashem by doing something. It's not always Chil Hashem, but any act of sin is rebellion. Gazalnu, we stole. Here we have limbs of our body that we could have used for Hashem, and instead we use them for selfish reasons. Or it could be actual stealing, like stealing somebody's sleep, waking somebody up, being you know, not careful about that, uh, not giving proper miser, not giving the tenth that we owed at Staka. Um throwing a bracha out of our mouth, like stealing, because here God gave us something, and it says you're supposed to say a blessing before and after. It's like, please and thank you, actually. And if we say it without kavana, like it's empty, it's nothing, and it's like we just took something. It says also, if a poor person comes for tzedakah, um, it says if you give him uh, tzedakah, you're, you're doing five mitzvahs, but if you give him a smile and kind words, you're doing 11 because it says, it, 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 in fact, some, there's a whole machlokas, whether it's 11 plus the five, giving stuck as well, or is it just six? So that's the machlokas. could be 11 total minutes. So it's bigger than giving stucca is the, the, your, your whole intention, because it says, even if you don't have too much to give somebody, you give one penny, the, your facial expressions, your concern is you didn't steal from him. He came and spoke to you, and you didn't steal his covet. He, he, he took, you know, he didn't take away his, his, uh, his honor from him. It says if a person says hello to you on the street and you don't respond, it's like you stole his, his honor. You know, he, he said hello, and you didn't, you didn't bother responding to him. Now, Dibarnu Dofi. Dofi means uh, we're hypocrites. We said two things. We like to praise somebody, but to other people behind his back, you say terrible things. Um, Rashi says another word for dofi is lahadof to push. That um, that dibarnu um, dofi means you said something that hurt another person's feelings. You pushed another person down by your words. Moshe Rabbeinu argued with Hashem for over a week whether he should be the one to redeem the Jewish people from Egypt. And, you know, you think, here's Hashem personally, you know, invites you to go and do this great mitzvah of saving the whole nation, and Hashem isn't suffering as long as his people are suffering. Moshe Bain is arguing with him for an entire week. Why? Because Aaron may feel bad. And then the only time Moshe Bain got appeased was when Hashem promised him, Baracha the Samach Belibo, that... Uh, as long as it wasn't on somebody else's cheshben, then he says, no, Aaron's going to be happy to see you. He's going to be happy that you were the one, you were the chosen one. Then Moshe Rabbeinu was appeased, and he then continued to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. So 
from this we should learn we should never do something if somebody else's feelings are going to get hurt. We have to think 50 times. So many stories about Rabbanim that didn't assume positions, great tzaddikim, that didn't assume certain positions so they thought it would be an affront to one of the Rabbanim that was already in that yeshiva or whatever it was. Um, there's a famous story about Rav Nachum Zev Ziv, the, son, the father of Rav Dessler. Uh, wait a minute, oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's Ruving. That's the son of Nachum Zev was the son of Rav Dessler. That um, one time the um, what am I talking about? Son of Rav Simchazisko. Sorry, he was the grandfather of Dessler. Dessler had a son of Nachum Zev, but Rav Nachum Ziv was the son of Rav Simchazisko. Any case, he was supposed to be a tremendous orator, tremendous speaker. And one time he was asked to speak. Got up to speak. He kind of made it very short and stopped in the middle. And they asked him, why are you stopping? And um, he said later that the speaker before him was having a part time speaking. He was like, he, he stuttered a little bit. And he was afraid that he'd make the previous speaker look stupid by him coming up now and saying everything. This once happened to me, actually. I once spoke somewhere. Somebody asked me to speak. I didn't really want to, but I spoke uh, something to do a, a schuss for somebody. And uh, I spoke and I talked over with a few people what I thought we should propose to do as a merit. And I mentioned a certain thing. And then someone got up right after me and said, we should do this. I prepared a whole talk and I said something. And somebody says, no, it was almost like you were minimized. What you said was nothing. Now I'm telling you what you really should be doing. I, I, I felt that pain. So I know what it feels like. And um, person should know, like, you know, whenever if they're going to outdo somebody else, like whether it's your cooking is superior, your whatever, watch out that you shouldn't cause affront to another person's feelings. Ha'avinu. It means literally we made that we bent the straight. Either we bent ourselves something that, you know, or we caused others to be bent. We caused others to, to like, to, to be lenient with things when they shouldn't have been so lenient. The Hirshanu, we either didn't judge somebody, to merit, merit, we didn't judge somebody favorably, and we said he's wicked when he really was a sadic. Or Hirshanu means we caused other people to be wicked, you know, in some ways, by either telling them something's permissible or by um, doing something to, to cause other people harm. This is something like we have to think about with Sneas. It's every time, you know, we're causing somebody to look at us unnecessarily for bad reasons, then um, we have to think about that, that, you know, this is this causing people to be wicked. If, if that's why a woman, it's imperative for her to be modest. Zadnu means that we, we're actually, that we, we, that willfully or unwilling to repent. Zadnu could also mean cruel hearted. <laughs> There's a, um, you know, like um, they say, one of the reasons that we hit with our, you know, we hit our heart because it makes us do the sense. But why do we use a fist? Because being stingy is another source of sin. Like, isn't this the whole source of Judaism is to be grateful, to appreciate. There's a famous story about Rehearsal Osterpeiler. And I was, they, they, I don't know if he was a real person, but they used to tell, tell stories about him. He was like the, the, the comedic way to learn basics of Yiddishkeit. Anyways, they say one time he was invited to somebody's house for a meal, and the person was known as being very cruel-hearted and stingy. So had, the, the, the Balabais had a tendency, he would serve each course real fast, so he wouldn't take seconds. You know, they'd have to clear off the plates after each course. So the Balabais uh, tells him, you know, here's the fish, they serve the fish. 
and the ball bites gets him talking. So hopefully while he's talking, they'll clear off the, the tape, the, the plate. So and, and he, he, you know, has, he won't eat too much more. He'll be on the next course. So the Balabais asked him, so you're from what town? Now, Paul, he says, so how is the baker over there? You know, Svi, uh, whatever. So he says, he's dead. And he continues eating. He says, he's dead. What do you mean? He owed me so much money. And he, and he, then, he then brings the soup. And um, they, they're, they're eating the soup. And he starts asking him, what about the tailor, Beryl? How's Beryl doing? And he said, he's dead. And he says, dead? He owed me so much money. You don't know how much. And then every time he says, at the end, you know, he keeps eating all his courses. And at the end, he said to him, all these people are dead that you're telling me? Are, and now everybody is dead? He says, when I'm eating, everybody else is dead. You know, so that was supposed to be his, um, his uh, <laughs> that, you know, that way uh, he could finish his meal. But the point is, that's what, uh, that's what Zadnu means, to be cruel-hearted. Hamasnu. By doing sins, we are... We are, what's it called? We are extortion. We're denying other people a chance for spiritual growth, Rav Galinsky says, not rebuking. We're stealing people's um, opportunity to keep the Torah. We should always be willing to spread Torah to other people, even though we may lose thereby, or, or help other people, even though we may lose thereby, because that is what we're here in the world for, Hamas to extortion. We can't take from other people in order for us to grow. That's not the Jewish way. To found the Sheker that we... We've piled up uh, lies. Either we, you know, little we play down things. We have little white lies. Ya'atznura, we gave bad advice. They asked Rebetzin Kanievsky once, why did you have such good advice? People all listen to her. She said, because I consider every Jew like my own child. We have to think twice if someone asks us for advice of what's good for them, you know, like to, to, to really think deeply into them as if they would be our own child. Kazavnu. Rukhaim Kanievsky Shlita says it's not obvious falsehood, it's like sophisticated falsehood, whatever that means. Latsnu, we mocked, we scorned. It says if somebody can rebuke you and then you make a joke out of it, it says one, one, one drop of um, mocking could take away 1,000 rebukes. Uh, you know, it, it looks very, you look very clever, but you're you're really not allowing yourself to get serious about about um, about what you have to change or mocking people. That's a horrible horrible thing like that. Uh, mocking a friend is, is something really that that if it's it, it looks very clever when you're put, you know saying how stupid somebody else is, but you've really done a terrible affair in Shemayim that you embarrass somebody, especially if it's in public or any kind of public forum. You know, or um, or looking to a person looking to put somebody else down, looking to find, you know, miscabed the Cullen Javero, it's called somebody that gets covered from putting another person down. Yisrael Salanter said there's two ways to make yourself great. One way is to step up, and the other way is to push somebody down, and you look taller. You know, but it doesn't it doesn't make you any greater, and in fact, it's a very big sin to hurt somebody so deeply. Sometimes a person can have such a pain from it, it really can impede his whole avodas Hashem. We have to worry about how we treat other people if we mock them, if we make them like they're nothing, if we make fun of them, especially if we have to correct somebody. You know, when we're doing things as a pair and we put somebody down, you've got to watch out. There's other people may be there present when you're putting someone down. How is it going to affect them? 
maradnu, we rebelled. It's okay, bagadnu before is just like externally, we, when we didn't have air, we weren't thinking, but it really isn't a rebellion. Here is when we actually don't want to be, we don't want to be God's servants. We don't want to have to do this. Now, we all have this feeling. Avram Grzynski himself says that the moment a child can stand up in his crib, he wants out. The, the, the whole thing, they said the reason why we know the eighth Sahara came when a person is born and not conceived is if the Yitzhar would come when a person is conceived, they would want out. The moment the moment, the moment the woman becomes pregnant, because a person really does not want to be submissive to anything. That's the human nature. But we have to check ourselves and not say that we're maradnu, that we don't really want it. So thank God we don't have to fast. Thank God we don't have to, you know, we should want, we should look for it. We should look for this uh, submission that, we, you know, that should be to improve us. Uh, Sararnu, we turned away too much due to indulgence. Um, Ivinu, we twisted our desires. We saw the twisted is correct. Um, Pashanu, we, we did on purpose. Sararnu means like we literally fought with Hashem. The um, Haman was called Sarer HaYehudim, the, the enemy of the Jewish people, the one that fought. Hating Hashem is if we're just in our particular groups and we hate other groups, like we don't like the Sephardim, we don't like the Hasidim, we don't like the Litfish, we don't like this, we don't like that. That is Sone Hashem. You're hating some of Hashem's people and um, you shouldn't be hating Hashem. Kishinu Aref is stubbornness. Rav Galinsky said that there was once a doctor making Aliyah, uh, an orth- orthopedic surgeon, and he says, I'm sure I'll have a lot of work if I move to Israel because they're stiff necked people. But Rav Galinsky said that's not exactly what it means to have stiff neck. Stiff neck means you, for good things you're stubborn and you stick it out no matter how many people are bothering you, how many people are persecuting you, you're sticking it out. Um, uh, Roshanu is, is, Roshanu means in this case not paying back a debt. It says, Lover Rashi, below Yishalim. If a person knows they can't pay back, they don't have a wherewithal to pay back, you shouldn't be borrowing money. Shichasnu, uh, we've corrupted ourselves. Uh, we've wasted our time and talent. Ti'avnu, we became a to'eva. The things that we look at uh, were abominable, and we became an abomination. Ta'inu, we strayed. It says, um, Galinsky says, when a sheep strays from its flock, just goes to another flock and it doesn't know the difference. It goes to another flock and ends up going with them. We were like sheep that we strayed and we don't even realize that we're far from the proper flock we're supposed to be in. Titana, we fooled others. So even if somebody says, I haven't done so many of Aris, we, we live in an age, this whole technological world that we live in today, where people are making things other than Hashem their gods. We get up in the morning, people are checking their cell phones, day, morning, life, you know. Is the first thing in our day Hashem? Is that the first thing? That we should at least make that the first thing of our day. Don't do any. Now, as women, we have so many leniencies. We don't have to have shman, kriya shman, all this stuff like a man does. But are we making davening our first priority? You know, sometimes you have to have a drink first, okay, all, all kinds of things. Are we making Hashem our first thing in the morning? Or is Hashem after we check our, we have to first see if we got any emails? You have to first see if you've got any messages, if you've got any this, you got any that. Like, where's Hashem in our day? And before we go to bed at night, what's the last thing we engage in? Is it, you know, 
I'm, I'm, putting, I'm trusting my soul to you overnight, Hashem? Or is there other things? That we, the world we live in is a, is, is, is a lot of temptation amongst us. And we have to know that the main thing is serving Hashem. Now, I want to, uh, I can't, I see there's no time to get into all the alchets, but I'm going to highlight some of them for you. And then I do want to speak about Kabbalahs, about making New Year's resolutions. So let's just take a few of the alchets that are relevant. Very interesting. Steinman says, you know, it says, we did a sin, alchet, it's a sin. Now, alchet means by accident, by the way. But if a person is something by accident, um, it's a sign that it wasn't important to him. You forget things that are not important to you. So it's, it's, it comes from there is something in our heart that still hasn't been improved. That we sin before you, Hashem. We sin before you. And, and, and okay, zilzil horim amorim. To not have enough respect for our teachers and for our parents. Rav Steinman explains why perhaps people have longer lifespans than they did previous years. He says, we're coming close to Mashiach, and the one merit that Asaph has over Yaakov is Asaph honored his father greatly. And we don't want to succumb to that. So therefore, we have to improve. We're maybe granted extra years in, in this world in the merit of, of honoring our parents more perfectly than we, than we have in the past. There's a story about the Belzer Rebbe, the Sar Shalom. His, his mother, apparently in her older age, had, got, had a little bit of dementia and she was confused. And she, he sat her always next to him at the Pesach Seder. One year, she thought she's going to spoil her, her little child. Her, it was already a Belzer And, you know, she crumbled matzah in his soup at the Seder table. Now, you know, being a chassid <laughs> means you don't eat gabras. <laughs> You know, by them, it's a big deal not to eat gebrachs. You know, they, 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 the Hasidim especially, they pull away from the whole table. They, they're very careful how to eat the matzah and pesa. And here his own mother was crumbling matzah in his soup. And he nodded at his mother and he thanked her and he ate his soup. Hasidim couldn't believe it. Like the Belzer Rebbe eating gebrachs on Pesach, what was going on? He said, eating gebrachs is a minhag. Honoring parents is one of the Ten Commandments. It's the rice that's from the Torah. How could I make my mother feel bad when I'm eating, you know, she, she meant well. And um, they say there was a famous Tana, Rabbi Yeshua, who's in Ghanaian with Nanas the Butcher, because Nanas the Butcher had this great thing of honoring his parents. He was put together with one of the Tanaim. We sin before you. On purpose and by accident. Why do we say on purpose first? Because all the by accidents is because of the on purpose. There wasn't enough uh, attention put on what we must do and what we should do. And if we would have, we wouldn't have sinned even by accident. Um, another one I want to stress here is Yodim below Yodim. Whether you did a sin because you know or because you did a sin you don't know, we're obligated to to learn things. Bavli das is another one without knowing. What person has to ask Shilas? Like we can't just say I don't know. Well, sometimes we're stuck. There's no rub in the room right now, and, and, and Shabbos I don't know what to do. It's sometimes you have to just 
do with what you have to do. What you know, if you don't know, I mean, of course you should try to keep Shabbos, of course, but sometimes you have to make your own decisions. But uh, believe us, you can't have an excuse. I don't know. We have to learn halacha. We have to learn halacha. Keep up with halacha. Ask Rabbanam as Shilas. Yodim below Yodim also means that a person has to think before he does something. You know, can't you can't excuse yourself and say. Um, you know, I wasn't thinking. Your person is the difference between a man and an animal. Is we're supposed to be pe- creatures of thought, especially us women. We get very emotional about things. We can't let our emotions rule us. You know, we should use the emotions for good, to love people and to be considerate of their feelings, which is the strength of a woman. But on the other hand, when it comes to not thinking and then we get, just jump into something without thinking, we can make a lot of mistakes. We should plan out what we're going to do try to plan out, you know, our days a little bit, you know, to whatever is in our control. At least have a plan when we're going to talk to certain people. If we know we, we tend to hurt them or we tend to talk lush and horror with them or whatever, we should have a plan. We should be thinking. The, uh, there's an amazing story about forethought. And, 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 and most of these al are, as I told you, about Midos either being stingy or selfish or, or do something immoral or thinking immoral thoughts. Or the way we speak to Hashem, not, not thinking before we even confess, to think what are we saying to Hashem, like to try to have kavana when we talk to him, saying God's name. You don't want to say it in vain, even though that's a big thing to have that. It's a big, we can, I don't know if we can conquer that in our generation, but at least try sometimes to say Hashem's name, not in vain, to say it with, with kavana when we're saying Hashem's name. Talk about the Yetzirah, we acknowledge that there's the Yetzirah in us. Um, the uh, most of these are between man and man. Rav Lubachansky, Israel Yaakov Lubachansky from Baranovich, says that the daughters of Lot, who committed a tremendously immoral act with their father, they both deserved to have daughters from them. They had a Rus. Rus came out of them who became, you know, the grandmother of Mashiach. Whereas the Talmudi Rebbe Akiva did not survive. And here, the daughters of Lot survived the whole thing of, uh, you know, with Lot. Now, teaching us that hurting somebody's feeling is, is worse than immorality, that we have to put it that way. There's a story that Rosham Shwadran brings down about, um, he brings down about a, a shaykhet that he heard about in earlier times. He said this shaykhet happened to write a safer that he, he saw. And in the safer, the shaykhet writes that, he had this terrible dream one year that he was coming from the, going to the mikvah, I believe, before Shabbos or Yantif, I remember, Shabbos, and an, an, a woman, an almana, a, a widow, comes to him and she says, can you please, I have this little chicken, can you please chef it for me for Shabbos? And he says, I don't know, I don't have time, it's so close to Shabbos, it's the winter, it's, I don't have much time, I can't do it. And then he dreamt that he went to he went to Shemayim and he said you were you could have gone to Shemayim but you you heard an amana you heard somebody's feelings especially a widow an orphan or a divorcee is considered like a widow by the way um, Rosheinberg told me any case but the um, a person so so uh, what's it called so the so she um, so so he went to a bunch of rabbanim and he told them this dream that he had. And they said, well, did you ever do this to somebody? And he said, no. So he said, forget the dream. Oh, I forgot the, the rest of the dream. forgot part two. I was in the middle of thought that he, he, in, in, he went to Shemayim. And in Shemayim, they told him, you have two choices to, to atone for this sin. Either go to Gehenim for a month 
or come back again and and atone for your sin. So he was going to choose Gehenna, and he and he says he was on his way to Gehenna, and the fire was so hot that he was terrified, and he says, no, no, I'll take the other choice. And he came back, and that was his dream. And they told him, if you didn't do it yet, don't worry about it. If you never did this, don't worry. Well, apparently, many years later, he was already an old man, and he was going to the mikvah on Shabbos, and a woman came to him, an elderly amana, and said to him, I need this chicken shafted for Shabbos. I have nothing else to feed my family. And he said to her, I don't know. I don't have any time. And he comes home. He was about to make Kiddush, and he realized, this is my dream. And he was beside himself. He ran, he gathered a whole bunch of food, a whole, most of his food from Shabbos. He brought it to her house. He said, here's a chicken. Here's all the food that I gave you. Here, you know, not thinking, not thinking. Sometimes we don't know whom we're painting. We may think we just didn't do something for somebody. And we don't know what it could cause. One more thing before we get into the Kabbalists, to, to making, you know, resolutions. Um, Gezel is mentioned a lot in the Eel, especially stealing. Like we said, stealing sleep. Our whole life, not serving Hashem is stealing. But we have to be careful every little amount that we, you know, that we, we do the right thing. And we, we're not guilty of not making proper calculations with Meiser and with uh, what we owe people. If we owe somebody something. The, um, there's a story that Ravelia Lapian told that he has a Masora from Rechaim Velazhener, like direct. The story is absolutely true. That one time Rechaim uh, Velazhener was in the base medrash late. He had this thing in Velazhen that there should be people learning all, all around the clock in order that the world should have a merit to exist. They said that's the reason why there's an Australia in the world is that somewhere in the world there's somebody always learning Torah and always davening. So the world can have a merit to exist. Now, Sir Chaim Belasher came in late at night off into the base of Medrash and Belasher to see that there's somebody there and need to give chizik to the people learning in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, this boy appears before, a young bucker appears before him. And this boy was departed already several years. He wasn't alive. And he saw the, the aperture of this person in, for him, in front of him. And um, he asked him, he was, he was a very good student. He was an excellent, excellent person. And he said, what are you doing here? And he, 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 was, he was calm. It shows his madrega, the muna bitachon, that he's able to collect himself. Most of us would faint on the floor or something, you know. He said, what are you doing here? He said, I don't know if the, the Rebbe remembers that I had to be sent home because I had pneumonia. And, um, and I, you know, he succumbed to his illness when he got home. But he said on the way, he, he, that they sent him to yeshiva, uh, out of yeshiva rather, because he was sick, he was so sick, they sent another boy to accompany him home. You know, in those days you had to take trains and coaches and who knows what, until you got home was a big deal. He had to go to, I think he lived near Vilma, if I'm not mistaken, where there were a lot of doctors, so he had to see doctors there as well, and to go home to rest because he was so ill. Any case, so this other boy accompanied him, and they stayed in a certain hotel, motel in whatever you want overnight and they owed six cents and they said they would he wouldn't be he wasn't admitted to heaven he wasn't admitted to shemayim to, to, to he was supposed to go to gan Eden, but he owed six cents in this world and he could not go proceed to shemayim because of the six cents that he owed and he came to tell Chaim Belushner Chaim Belushner the next morning brought his the uh, his friend the friend that accompanied him 
called him into his office and he told him the story. The boy was shocked and he says, yes, we did owe six cents. So the boy hurried. It's a, it's a story that the boy himself admitted to, the live, the live bucker, and he went back and he paid this innkeeper the six cents that he owed him. So it should start his mind how important it is financial matters as well with people and not to take them lightly. As far as making, so th this is a little bit of our al-chait, what we have in mind. Of course, it's much deeper and more profound than all that. And right now we have to start, we have to do tshuva. That's what to do these 10 days, to begin the process. Then our Yom Kippur will mean more to us. We should look through the prayers. I just highlighted them, but there's not enough time in the world to go through all of them. So all I can say is please try to look. There's also beautiful accompaniments. I think there's something called Rina's Chaim. It's an English. It's a, it's a linear um, accompaniment to the Shemona Esrei. I so much believe in it. It'll, it'll enhance your Shemona Esrei like never before. If you use it on, you know, it's worthwhile to buy, really, to invest in a linear explanation of the whole Shemona Esri, Roshoni and Kippur, and it goes into the Alchets as well. There's all kinds of explanation of the Alchets in English. I did some extra ones that are not in English, but, um, you know, let's now talk about for five minutes, and then I'm going to, uh, I'm sorry if I took up anyone's time, but these are very important things we have to discuss. Any case, I always use Rav Nussin Bachvogel as my guide here, and he tells us that it's very important to realize that if you're going to make any kind, they say the real end result of these high holidays and all the 10 days in between is what kind of New Year's resolutions are we making? Look, it even infiltrated, penetrated into the non-Jewish world where they talk about New Year's resolutions. But for them, it's like four things, drinking, smoking, dieting, you know, maybe that's it. It's going to be those three. <laughs> you know, we have a lot more things to work on. We want to get closer to Hashem. What is getting in the way of us getting close to Hashem? Our sins, and now we're trying to clean up any sins we've done. Now, he says we have to realize if you're going to make New Year's resolutions, they should be minimal. Everyone says it. We, of course, there's a million things we should do that we're not doing. But if you do something and it really sticks, then you, you've achieved something. We can't grab too much because tafasta maruba, low tafasta. You grab too much, you don't grab anything. Like if you take too much in your hand, you drop everything all over the floor, you didn't do anything. So same thing here. We have to think, you know, very small, something we can do every day that's going to be an improvement over what we've done. But definitely after Rosh Hashanah, we're not supposed to be the same people. We're supposed to change our ways. Now look at Gedalia, Ben Achikam. He mentions this from Nassim why do we have some Gedalia? Gedalia was a tzaddik. There's a lot of tzaddikim we could fast for. Why him? Besides the fact that it was the, the day of the destruction, of beginning of the destruction of the temple, when uh, when he, we weren't no longer allowed to have a settlement in Israel. But also what Gedalia did wrong was he felt, I'm never going to listen to any Lashon Hara or any Rechilis or anything. That was, when you make a Kabbalah that's so strict, that's ridiculous, that it's even beyond halakha, it doesn't do any good. In fact, that's caused, he caused his own death, which is not that he's a murderer, God forbid, or a suicidal person, but it's highlighting a spotlight on a very holy man to teach us not to go for stupid things. Like, I'm never going to speak Lashon for the rest of my life. That's not, even though we feel that way, but that's not realistic. That's not going to, it's not going to help us. Big things or things that are above our level are not, are not what we're supposed to strive for. People that take them, they heard the Chavetz Chaim did this, so they do it. You know what I mean? Things that we can do, that we can change our ways, that's what, we're have to, that's what we have to work on. And all of them should be in the positive. Never say never in your, in your resolutions. 
Don't say, I'll never do this, because you will. <laughs> Instead, do something, fill the, the abyss, the void. Fill it up with something positive. Person says, for example, if you, you think you have a problem with Lashon Hara, learn two halachas a day. Or, or, or write something on the wall, never just, or put something above your phone. You know, I don't know, something. To, I'm ta- boy, am I dating myself to cordless phones instead of, uh, uh, you know, corded phones, rather. Um, you know, but in any case, the um, what will I do instead? That's where you get brownie points. What will I do? If a person feels, let's say, get example, Shabbos. They're all nervous, the, the early Shabbos, and they tend to get upset at people. So tell yourself, I'm not going to cook two hours before Shabbos. I'm not going to cook two hours before Shabbos because I won't be test is, you know, whatever's on the table, two hours, that's it. No more. I'm going to, I'm going to now feel relaxed. I'm not going to let myself get nervous. A person feels, um, they, 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 they get angry. There's farm on anger. There's a lot of good farm out there. English, Hebrew, the one in Hebrew is Erech HaPayim, very famous, original by, uh, on the Bali Muster. Don't confuse that. There's a lot of other Erech HaPayims, but there's an Erech HaPayim on, just on how to work on cots. Rabbi Pliskin took a lot of it, and he put it into a book called Anger. Um, if a person has a problem with jealousy, there's gateway to happiness to work on Midos that we could do. A person should really learn something every day on Midos to work on their Midos during the year. There's Muslims Farm to teach us that this world is temporary. A person doesn't remember the world is temporary. How can they stick to it during the year? We need something like Nasilis Disharm or Chobos Olavavos. Take five minutes a day, of, of, uh, or, or most days, Try to take five minutes a day to remind yourself you're in a temporary world. That's very good in general. But I'm just saying specific. Person wants to daven for Kavana, say you're going to daven one Shmona Esrei, you know, one bracha of Shmona Esrei, rather. You know, with, you're going to be more careful. Or you're going to pause before you start Shmona Esrei. You pause for 20 seconds. That'll change your whole Shmona Esrei. Some people say saying benching from a bencher. Um, you know, we have to, you, people should choose their own, but the point is, do something positive. That's what's going to make the dent. Or emuna. It says, emanti kiadaber. I have emuna because I speak about it. Speak about emuna even if you don't feel it. Like we said before, beficho bilvavcha Talk about things even if you're not on that level. And let's hope, Mansa Shem, we should all do tshuva shalema and we should really merit the see Mashiach Tikkenu this year. And I thank you all for listening. And I wish you all a Gemar Chasimatova from all my heart. And Yitzhak Hashem, all of us should be Zechah to greet Mashiach Tukenu. We should really do proper tshuva to take away this machla that we have and that we should all realize each, each of us in our own way should see what maybe we could have contributed if, you know, if we did anything. Like Hashem is speaking to all of us. Let's, what can we do to, to get closer to Hashem? It could be a very refined little thing. It doesn't have to mean everyone's huge sinners. But, uh, but um, what can we do that we haven't been doing before? And this, we should really make a new change. That's what Rosh Hashanah, a dramatic change, a new year, Shinui, Shana. You know, and, and, and I wish all of you all the best. Thank you for listening. Gemar Chasimataibah.